Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early 20s and man, has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between. And it's been great. And I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our 20s. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them. And I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories. And if any of these episodes resonate with you, I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you want to connect with me, my Instagram's a shit show in my 20s. And yeah, without further ado, let's get going. Today's guest is Kavita. I enjoyed chatting with her. Kavita is an investment banker turned wellness guru. A turbulent health slash skin issue led her to an apothecary that helped her and she helped them right back by taking over and growing it to over 10 million in sales. She's certified in aromatherapy, Ayurveda, yoga, and human design and has studied for years the power of botanicals on skin for wellness. Currently, she is the founder and CEO of Kesa High, a natural beauty and wellness brand that also offers spiritual guidance. In this episode, we go into so many incredible things from your skin, her thoughts on the 12-step skin routine, skin oils, aromatherapy, healing, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Kavita, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. Awesome. Well, my 20s are definitely my favorite decade, probably because of all the shit show moments. I I think that I was definitely, I you know, when you're in your 20s, I think travel is a huge component. And so I graduated early and decided to backpack the world by myself. So it was really, really cool to travel through Asia and Europe. And, you know, it, it's funny, until you look backwards, you don't even see how those kind of things connect. But when I was there, I was always kind of you know, connecting with the women there and, and their practices. And, and later, you know, as we'll go through my very long journey, <laughs> I ended up in skincare. You know, I went back to a lot of those conversations around, you know, how they cared for themselves and, and the things that they did. And so it's, it's kind of funny how it all came full circle. But I had a lot of shit show moments. I got locked in a laundromat once <laughs> by somebody and I thought I was going to die. But fortunately, he came back drunk and I was able to run out and, you know, but lots of, you know, I lost the keys to my hostel. I mean, just so many. When you travel, I think there are so many fun and terrifying shit show moments. <laughs> but uh, but that's what makes it fun, right? That's what makes it memorable. Yeah. Wow. Getting locked in the laundromat, that's probably the first that yeah. time I've heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's really scary. And I was like, I never folded my laundry so neatly because I was there for hours. It's <laughs> like, like, am I either going to die or I'm leaving with really, really neat <laughs> folded laundry? That's so funny. And like from traveling from there, did you go directly back into work? Like how long were you traveling for? Yeah. So I traveled for about nine months and then I had already had a job. So I was going into mergers and acquisitions, investment banking. So I was finance. It was kind of like what I wanted to do. I really bought into the whole hustle culture that was sold to me of, you know, just work, like crazy and make the money. And that's just, that's the purpose of life, right? Like I really bought into that you know, uh, story. 
And so I spent most of my 20s probably working 100 hour plus weeks. You know, I and, and I was like your typical poster child for the hustle culture syndrome, right? I was like, ah, my, you know, I eat, sleep and brush at work. And that's so cool. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen my family in a year. <laughs> you know, it's just like ridiculous, you know, bragging rights to the most, you know, ridiculous thing. But it kind of just perpetuates that hustle culture, which I then later realized, you know, has consequences in your 30s and beyond. Yeah. Going back to those conversations that you had while traveling, have you always liked skincare? Have you always known like, this is like my thing? Or like, did you like going to those conversations? Did you know like, oh, like I'm going like this VC route? This is my thing? Or did you have any conflicting feelings there? I'm curious if like you had any. Yeah. Yeah. So like, in my mind, I was always doing finance when I was having those conversations. Like even when I was traveling, I was like, well, I guess I'm doing finance to afford traveling better than I'm backpacking because I was backpacking at the time. Right. So I was like, okay, it's a, you know, the job is a means to an end. But I think I was always really interested in, um, I wouldn't just say skincare, but just like natural modalities to wellness. So I was always really into sort of mind, body, soul connection and different cultures and how they treat that. So a lot of those conversations were around that, like, how do you take care of yourself? And it wasn't like I would go up to people and say, hey, how do you take care of yourself? <laughs> but it was just those are, <laughs> those are the things that I was observing, sort of not even realizing, right? Like I was like, oh, you know, because like as girls, we all get ready together, right? In the same room and we're, you know, there's a lot of like bathroom talk. And I was like, oh, wow, like I have all these products, but they just use an oil. That's interesting. Like, oh, that's interesting. I feel like they do it with a lot more care and love, whereas I'm kind of like slapping and exfoliating and, <laughs> you know putting toothpaste on my pimples because, you know, I'm in my 20s. <laughs> and I just saw that they approached the whole beauty skin realm so differently. And so I don't think at the time I knew or, or realized, but I was just curious, right? Like I'd always been very curious about how other cultures think about like the mind-body-soul connection. And so it was more of a curiosity that ends up being a lifelong curiosity for me. Wow. And going back to like that adjustment of like 100-hour work weeks, it's kind of funny because like we have two different ends. We have talking about taking care of yourself and then we have 100 hour work weeks. Yeah, it's, it's almost like foreshadowing, funny. right? Like I knew it was coming. <laughs> I should go around the world and see how people take care of themselves because I'm about to burn out completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. it's so funny. So like how, how did you take care of yourself during the 100 hour work week? Like how did. did you manage all that? And like what was like that point for you of like, I just can't do this anymore. Like I, I'm out. Like I burnt myself out. I can't work anymore. I don't have a desire to work. Kind of curious how that unfolded for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish it unfolded elegantly, but it didn't. <laughs> it was sort of a a uh, slow crash and burn. So during that time, there was no self-care. You know, I, I did nothing, uh, nothing of what I observed, nothing of what I even knew intrinsically to be true. I grew up in a spiritual household where, you know, I even saw my mom just taking really great care of herself. And my parents did a lot of yoga and meditation, but no, there was none of it. It was just work and sleep the few hours you could until I finally did hit just sort of this wall of exhaustion. And I started to look so much older than my age. And I started to have incredible like brain fog and inability to sleep well. And so I think I just found myself in this moment. I remember, which is probably another great shit show moment in my car that was covered in post-it notes. That was like the most ridiculous things like pick up 
I, I can't even like or like pick up groceries that you already ordered or like you know, I was like but it was like a sea of post-it notes right like I was like wow my brain is unable to keep any amount of information like this just can't be good and I think I just had this like moment of like this can't be what success is all about like this can't be the meaning and purpose of my life like I am doing everything and you know by my 20s had done everything I thought I needed to do like Ivy League school the big paying job the office like all the things and I was completely unfulfilled. And I was like, this just can't be what success looks and feels like. And so that's where I sort of pivoted and really took time to step back and go back to my curiosity of like, how do I now heal myself? Right. I had given myself an ulcer, just all, all kinds of different, so much inflammation in the body. I was like, well, what do I do now? about it. And so that's where I sort of took a step backward, really immersed myself into my Indian heritage and then also other modalities as well. Hmm. I'm just imagining that car with all the post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining that. That's so yeah. funny. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, because I hear this story a lot, right? Where, like, you get, like, all the things you want, right? And then you realize it's nothing that you want. And, like, the yeah. cost to get to that place. Do you think there's anything we could do to maybe actually find out if that's the actual thing we want without, like, having that cost of going through all of that? Or do you think there's any way of like being able to like figure it out sooner? Or do you feel like that's just kind of like the process of like that you have to go through in order to figure out it's really not the thing that you wanted? Yeah. So, so interesting. I actually, so through this process, I discovered human design. I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So human design, it's really great because it's really like your energetic blueprint, right? It's like the manual for your life. And I think one of the things that regardless of what type you are, whether you know human design or not, it really helps you tune into your intuition. And so I think one of the things you could do early on is just because people tell you something is the way, like this is the way to happiness or this is the way to success. If you if you sit with it and you're like, ah, it doesn't really feel like it to me, go ahead and listen and pivot, right? Uh, I think, you know, in your 20s and 30s, really any time in life, you have that opportunity at any time to constantly pivot to do what feels right to you and what brings you satisfaction or fulfillment. And I think that's really the key. It's, it's like, don't keep doing it just because everyone else, it's like the programming and it, it's really to unprogram what everyone else is telling you to be like, okay, yeah, what do I actually feel inside? Like what feels right to me? And it's, it's actually interesting because it was so impactful to me that when we did our skincare, we customize human design journeys and rituals to go with it because I really believe that at any age, one of the number one things that people today are struggling with is this like anxiety, feeling of unfulfillment, dissatisfaction. And when you feel that way, like you're never going to look good, right? If you, if you can't, if you're not feeling good, you're just never going to look good, right? And so I was like, well, how do we do both, right? How do we help people really find this peace as well as give them the products they want for their skin. And so that's where the concept came of this like soul to skin, like, okay, you're going to not only get your custom face oil, but you're also getting personalized human design rituals because it really is going to take both of those things to help you relax inside and radiate out. That is so cool. I've never heard of skincare that's actually paired with human design before. Like, that's so awesome. Wow. <laughs> and like, that's such a good point too of like, if we never feel good, we're never going to look good. Because sometimes yeah. we don't feel good, but we can't like figure out why do I like put on all the clothes and nothing's working. <laughs> it's not anything to do with the clothes, you know, <laughs> like it's something internally going on. It's like, why does a bride always look so beautiful on her wedding day? It's the feeling, right? She's feeling so good. You know, she's glowing. Like literally that's what we're trying to give people. It's like that glow that you get when you feel so good inside. And I'm curious, like when you started like your skincare line, like 
what kind of came up for you? Like, did you know, like, right away, like, I need to start this? Like, I see these face oils. Like, I feel like I should really start this way. Like, did you know it was going to be skincare? Or did you just kind of have an idea, I need to start something? Or like, how that all kind of come together for you? Yeah. So no, it actually started more in the wellness route. So I started more with essential oil roll-ons. And so it was more health-based at first because, again, I was dealing with my own brain fog. (laughs) So I was healing that and sleep. And so once I was doing that, I realized that a lot of the causes of why my skin wasn't looking good was actually because of all the products I was putting on them. So it's like the exposure to all these different chemicals. And so, you know, when I was going through the first line of research around health, I was like, okay, there's all this talk about your microbiome, right? So it's like your gut, your microbiome, how do you heal it, right? So it's fresh foods, fresh nutrients, it's eliminating toxins. And I think nowadays, everyone's kind of clear that that's what it is. And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Eat fruits, vegetables, don't eat processed too much processed food, try not to use a lot of chemicals. Okay, that makes sense. And then when you go to the skin, people are like, those same people are like, yeah, but we're going to use all these different acids and phenols <laughs> and, you know, all the things, even though our skin's our largest organ, right? And so it's a little less known that your skin also has a microbiome that on its own can exfoliate, hydrate, and protect. Like you literally don't need anything else. Just like when your gut's working right perfectly, you don't need medicine or vitamins. Similarly, your skin would actually need nothing if it was working perfectly. But anytime we stress or expose it to anything, you know, you're going to disrupt that microbiome. And so as I started to research and realize there was such parallels, I was like, wow, what if we created an oil that could balance everyone's skin microbiome? The problem is everyone is different. So there's no one and done type thing, right? So your skin is going to be very different than my skin. And then looking into that even deeper, it turns out that different ethnicities have a different barrier function. So their ability to absorb oils and hydration is very different. And so it really kind of depends on your origin story. The botanicals that are grown in the place of your ancestors are going to be the best for your skin. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. (laughs) But fortunately, I also um, at that time met somebody who was into artificial intelligence and they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is as hard as you think, you know? And so I think when you're doing what you're meant to do, things just kind of farm in alignment. And so as soon as the thought kind of came to mind, you know, I met somebody with this amazing AI background. Then I met some amazing product, natural product formulators, because I was like, I don't want it just to be computers. I need this to have a human component touch. I want the algorithm to say something, but then I want a human to be like, yep, that looks good. You know, (laughs) or like, no, this could be better. Right. So, but again, once you're in alignment, it all kind of falls together. So I got the right team. And and then it just really spoke to me on many different levels because I was like, wow, this is a way to bring inclusivity into skincare, right? So whether you're male, female, regardless of your tone, regardless of where you're from, like this could be, you know, we have an oil for you. And so then that really like resonated with me as a person as well. And so that's kind of how it, it grew from there. That's so interesting how many things go into what skin products you would need. Yeah. Because you would think, oh, like I have oily skin and that's just all you go off of. Or, oh, I have dry skin. But actually, there's like so many things that we don't realize that's going into it. And like with that, you just put oil on your skin and that's it. Like no hydrators, nothing else. All you need is oil. Yeah. So I'd only been using oil on my skin for probably 10 years anyway. Like literally, I clean my face with oil. It's what I use for much. The only product I add is sunscreen because I live in Florida. So (laughs) I felt like that was (laughs) very much needed. But um, yeah, no, and I had been using it forever. And when I had traveled, and this is like where it kind of came back full circle was I noticed that a lot of those women were only using oil as well. And they had beautiful skin. And so again, I would liken fresh plant oils to fresh fruits and vegetables. All right. So you know that when you consume fresh fruits and vegetables, that's all your body really needs. Similarly, your skin really only needs fresh plant oils. Everything else is going to have a side effect. It's going to mess up your microbiome and your skin in some way or the other. 
Mm. So you can wash your face with oil? Yeah, absolutely. Oil cleansing. Yeah, you just, all you do is you, you have your dry face, you put some oil on it, and then you kind of rub it in and then wipe it off and then splash your face with water. Yeah. Wow. And it's the same oil that you're using for everything, for like so washing. For, so for oil cleansing, I'll sometimes use a different oil because our face oils have such expensive botanicals in it that, you know, that's usually the stuff I want to keep on my face. <laughs> but I will use it as a, the face oil I use, I use it for moisturizing, the primer for my makeup. Like it's literally a one-step done process. And how many times are you putting it on per day? Twice, in the morning and in the night. Hmm. I'm like fascinated by this because I've never heard of like just face oil. Like this is... Yeah, yeah, one step. Yeah, you see people with like five steps and I'm like, really? Like, do we have to do five steps? Like, I'd rather not like get get this and this and this and this. This is so cool. It's all extra, right? Like it's just... And and a lot of times people need a lot of products because it's not made for them. So you might need five of the botanical or plant oils that are in five different products because you can't get it in one product, right? So then you're using all five to get exactly what you need versus something that has like something that's not only for your oily skin, but also maybe because you have acne or because you have fine line and wrinkles, right? Like, so rather than all the different products for all the different goals you might have for your skin, it's sort of wrapped into one. So I think that's another reason why some people go. But yeah, no, I've never been a 12-step person. When that whole skincare craze came out, I was like, nope. Not me. <laughs> Never going to happen. Yeah, I'm honestly like I wash my face. I put moisturizer and that's pretty much it. But like when I see those people, I was like, I, I kind of like go back and forth. I was like, should I do that? Should I put more things? And then I thought like it's more chemicals. Like I don't know if that's necessarily going to help. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is like, you know, we got really good at reading. Well, some of us got really good at reading food ingredient labels. But like, what about your skincare label, right? Like how much if you think about it, there's a small bottle. Creams have water. So some of that small bottle is just water, right? So then how many of the potent botanicals are you actually getting in any of these other products, right? So there's going to be a preservative to make sure it can stay on the shelf forever, right? So that's going to be part of your formula. So it's like the actual potency of what it is is so small in comparison to something that's fresh and pure. Yeah. How long are your um, oils good for? So after you open them, they're good for about six months, but technically it's every month you're, you should be needing another one. So it's a subscription and then you change, right? Like as the season changes, you might need a change in your formulation, depending on how your skin's doing, could, you could need some tweaks that way as well. So most people are on an every month cadence. Cool. And like for some, I, I'm curious about like this concept for like someone who has oily skin, like putting oil on oily skin, like how does that work? Yeah. Like does that help for the oils that so, they already have if it's really oily yeah. or? Yeah. So the right oils, like for example, one oil that would be really good for oily skin is rosehip oil. But the reason is, the re- so your skin is producing oil because it thinks it needs oil. Again, the microbiome, the system is, it's not, it's mistriggering, it's misfiring. So when you put oil on, it tells your skin like, no, I'm okay. I have the oil. You don't have to produce more. So it's actually an overproduction of sebum. But when you balance your skin sebum, then it's like, okay, yeah, you're fine. So even though it seems counterintuitive, putting oil on oily skin actually does really help. This is so fascinating. I love this. I'm so fascinated to hear about skin and how this works. Because like no one goes into this stuff about how your skin works and why it's producing what it's producing. Yeah. And like like for skin that's like optimal, like what does skin that's optimal look like? How do you know that like everything's working? Like it looks like your skin is at its optimal peak. So so when your skin is working, you know, the way it should, you don't need anything. You don't need our oil. You literally need nothing because it will be plump and dewy and hydrated and, you know, it'll just do what it's supposed to do, which is it naturally, you know, exfoliates and takes away the dead skin. It naturally will hydrate and protect like 
literally your skin will glow and you will need nothing. That's how you know you're on your way, right? Similar to like when you're healthy, you don't need anything. You're <laughs> just good. You don't have to supplement with different vitamins and different things. You're just, you feel good. And I think another thing that really plays into this a lot is stress. And so that's why we have the self-care rituals that go with it. Cause like that can really affect skin health as well. Hmm. I'm curious, are you still on oils currently or have you like transitioned off oils or what's like usually the period that people go through to in order to heal their skin and get back to that place? So I, I do still use oils because I, you know, mother of three and running a full business. So the stress I can't stop from (laughs) completely. (laughs) But I do think that to me using Plant oils is like eating fruits, fruits and vegetables. Like it's just nourishment for the skin. I, I don't feel like it, there's any, there's nothing harm. And not only for the skin, but your body as well. Like we definitely also take into account like mood and things like that. So there's essential oils that can help with healing. So there's so many different layers that to me, a face oil can help with to bring your skin back to a healthy spot. But it's never going to get there if we're constantly, you know, putting chemicals on. So that includes makeup, different, you know, skincare products. Also, there's just, you know, environmental pollution that sometimes we can't help that our skin is always exposed to. So again, our skin is our largest organ. So it's always absorbing, taking in. And so if we haven't protected its barrier, we're going to feel the effects of some of that. Yeah. And how long does it take for you, once you start doing the oils, how long does it take for you to notice a difference on your skin? So we've seen it takes people about two weeks, especially with certain things like hyperpigmentation and fine lines and wrinkles. Acne can take about a month, sort of depends on how bad it is. But usually within that time period, you know, you're going to notice a significant difference and you're going to notice that you didn't need all those other products <laughs> you thought you did that you were using either. And, and by not using them, it gives your skin a chance to sort of heal and repair itself as well. And does it help with rosacea as well? So rosacea is a really tricky one. It can help with rosacea. But um, I will say that rosacea has definitely been one of the harder skin ailments, I think, whether you use pharmaceutical or not to heal. So I'd say it does as good of a job as prescription meds. But even with that, I, you know, I think it can be it can be a little bit of a longer journey. I think with rosacea, there's some gut healing that needs to happen in the gut as well. (laughs) Okay, cool. And like during that period where you start taking the oils, is it recommended that you maybe do less makeup or does like your use of makeup kind of affect your process of having your skin heal? So you can absolutely use it with makeup. It actually works in an amazing primer. Does makeup slow down the process? It can. It depends on the makeup you're using. So if you're using really clean makeup brands, then I think it really doesn't matter. But yeah, if you're caking it on and <laughs> you know, you're not quite sure what ingredients are in there, then yeah, there's probably a chance. But the good news is that that the oil really sits on your skin to create a barrier, so it'll definitely help regardless. So it's not like you don't do it because you want to wear your makeup. But yeah, to, you know, in an ideal world, of course, anything you put on your skin that's not clean and pure is going to require a little bit of undoing, but as long as you use clean makeup, it really shouldn't be an issue at all. Okay. With all the research that you did on skin, what's something that surprised you a lot? It could be anything that like maybe you weren't expecting to find, something that like you're like, wow, like this is like totally different than what I was expecting. Yeah. So, you know what? I went into it not expecting to do custom because that's just a lot more work than I was <laughs> thinking I was going to go into. And I already had sort of a wall sign that was prepackaged, like your solution for sleep. And, you know, so my thought was like, exactly like you said, it was just going to be dry skin, oily skin, combination skin, and then maybe, you know, anti-aging acne. Like there was just going to be this thing. And then when I started to do my research is when I realized that most 
all products are just formulated for European skin type. And there actually wasn't a lot of thought put into what do skins of different ethnicities need and what are the different conditions depending on the skin that you need. And so it wasn't until I went into that formulation that I was like, oh, wow, like we really differ, like our ability to absorb really differs by where we're from. And then the botanicals from where we're from are really the best for us. Like, that's so crazy. Like, how would we connect all those pieces? And so I think that was the most surprising thing that came out of it. It was like, oh, wow, people's origin story really matters. Like that is a part of their skincare. And so that was the most surprising. And then also then the most impactful, because that's what ultimately led us to go into this different direction of custom. I didn't know it was all based on European skin. Yeah. So interesting. Wow. And when you were starting your beauty brand, what's something that you wish you would have done differently if you could in the beginning? You know, I think there's probably a lot of things. (laughs) But I think, you know, one of the things is really be careful about, you know, the partners that you choose because it matters. And I think finding people that really align with your values and your the way that you believe is probably one of the biggest things. So I definitely had to change. We were really delayed in packaging because, as, you know, because we picked kind of the wrong initial supplier. And so I think just some of those early learnings kind of happen with business in different ways. But when I was to look to a pattern, like even there was a marketing agency we used early on and I was like, okay, you know what? I should have listened to my gut <laughs> in those early conversations, right? Like you kind of get a sense. You're like, you want it to work because you just want to get going. But then when you sit back, you're like, you know what? I knew that that didn't seem right. And so I would say, you know, if I had to do it over again, I would just, again, listen more into my gut, which is, I think, again, tuning into my human design profile. Yeah. And what's your human design? What are you? Generator. I'm a generator too. Yeah, we're workhorses. Intuition is a big part of how we need to live our life. Yeah, definitely. And when we don't listen to the intuition, it always comes back. <laughs> I should have listened. <laughs> it does, right? Like the lessons of the universe just get louder until we actually learn them, right? So yeah. better yeah. to tune in so you can get them when they're light. Yeah. Definitely. And like for someone who like wants to start a beauty brand, I know it's kind of hard to be specific, but in terms of like amount of money they should be saving before they start or like timeline that's like realistic to starting a beauty brand, like what tips could you give there? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I think we live in a world right now where it takes almost no money and no time to start a brand. So, uh, you know, I know so many people who just started their brands on Etsy, right? Bottling it at home, right? And it took no money as much as, you know, the first batch, which they sold, and then they bought a little bit of a bigger batch. So I would say if you have a concept, and that goes really for any business, whether it's skincare, beauty, you know, or anything, really just start testing the market, start trying to see if you can sell it to somebody, (laughs) right? Like that's the biggest thing. And then once you find somebody, you know, once you find a certain type of people or the whatever problem you're fixing for them, right, then just go a little bit bigger and bigger, but have patience. I think these things take a lot longer than we think. We hear the success stories like it happened overnight. And for those who happened overnight, I guarantee you they had 10 businesses that failed that they already learned from (laughs) or that they already built that base from. So I think it's just have patience. I'm curious, is this your first business that you've started or did you start businesses prior to this? No, I've had I've had other businesses as well. So I I say I've sat on all sides of the entrepreneurial table. So I mentioned I was an investment banker, then I was in private equity. So used to buy companies, help fix them and then take them public. Then I was a consultant. So I used to work with companies to help them on growth. So I had a consulting company. And then then I did some odd things in, you know, in between just to be creative. And then I taught at the university entrepreneurship. And then, you know, and then I went into aromatherapy, wellness oils, and then we launched into beauty. So it's been a journey, but a fun one. Yeah, it sounds like a fun journey. 
Definitely. Yeah. And from like those companies that you would work and help build, what's something that you noticed like was a differentiator from the companies that succeeded and the companies who didn't succeed? Did you notice anything in terms of like the founders that you worked with? Absolutely. <laughs> so I think the biggest <laughs> the biggest difference is the willingness to pivot, right? I think sometimes people get so attached to their idea or their whatever it is that they wanted to do that they don't take feedback. And business is really a series of experiments. Like I think this person will like this thing at this price. And like there's so many different things you need to constantly be testing. And so those who are willing to test and get feedback and pivot, I find are the ones that are successful, whereas the ones that are just like, nope, I love this gadget. It's the best thing. And I'm not doing anything other than this thing. And I'm only going to sell it to these people tend to be the ones that don't do as well. That makes sense. And how long do you allow for like those tests to know like, okay, I gave this test enough time that it's not working. I need to do a new test. You know, it really depends on what what you're testing, right? Like in today's world with marketing, you can test messages within weeks, right? Um, You can buy enough traffic, you can test different messages, you can see what works. From a customer feedback, it depends, right? Like with the oils we really gave, we did a, you know, full run with different women for about 30 days to really see like, how did they feel a difference? You know, what, what was the results? How long did it take for the different ailments to heal, right? So sometimes that's the feedback that you're, you know, it can be a 30 day and, and sometimes it's longer if it's software or something. So unfortunately, it really, it kind of, it depends on what's the normal cycle for that thing. But, you know, give it away for free and get feedback. I mean, I think that one of the things that we're constantly doing and what's really great about custom that I didn't realize going into the whole thing is we're constantly getting feedback. So we're constantly making our formulas better and better based on what people say, right? So if someone gets something and they're like, uh, it worked, but we want something, we want it stronger. Well, then I'm like, okay, perfect. Now we know for this kind of person, like you want it a little bit stronger, we can push. So I think that's one of the the best things is, constantly testing, constantly seeing and perfecting and getting better. If you're constantly improving and growing, you're going to be great no matter what you do. And those first formulas that you do, did you make any of them or did you outsource, get suppliers for all of them? Or how did you kind of start that process? So I had been making my own face oils for years. I think I'd mentioned I'd been using it for years. So I had always been kind of playing with different oils and it was, you know, fun. But when we got to the first formulations, I kind of were like, here's what I do. (laughs) And then I get gave it to. And by the way, what I do was definitely based on lots of research. I mean, I had definitely spent hours in PubMed pulling, you know, studies of different oils and plants and, you know, the different fat content and different oils to see like what would be better for what types. But then I really did rely on experts. Like I got a natural products expert, dermatologist, like to just really say like, is this the algorithm that we're going to use? And does that really make sense? And I would say they they tweaked my formulas quite a bit from where I started, (laughs) where we ended up. But, you know, but I still feel a sense of ownership over the base, I would say. (laughs) That's so cool. So how long were you making the oils before you decided to start selling them? So, I mean, I was making them for myself for probably a decade. Wow. Yeah. It just never occurred to me that other people didn't kind of do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a point after your 20s that you stop getting ready with your friends in the same bathroom. (laughs) What's going on? That's true. Like prior to like reading um on your website I was like wait people use like face oils like I didn't know like about this whole thing yeah and so here I'm sitting in my room like on my side of the world thinking people don't use face oils (laughs) they still use things that are all water-based that's so weird like (laughs) right 
And do you think if you didn't go on like that backpacking trip, like did you use face oils before that backpacking trip or was that backpacking trip like where you start using face oils? Okay. That was the backpacking trip where I had started to use it. And so it, I wouldn't say it started to use it because as I mentioned, I then spent the next decade doing nothing, <laughs> but it's where I first learned about it <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, when I have time to be good to myself, that's what I'm going to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. So do you think if you had never gone backpacking and experienced that, do you still think you would have your company today and be into face oils? I mean, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, I will say that my mom used oils and a lot of the women in my family also used oils. So I did I did see it in other places. And I'd lived in the Middle East prior to that. And uh, the women there have beautiful skin and they definitely all use oils as well. So I had definitely seen it before that backpacking trip as well. But I think it definitely gave that confirmation of, yeah, this is something that's pretty widely used and accepted. Yeah. Are, Regardless, are I highly little... recommend to go on a backpacking trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need to go on one. But yeah. is it like is it popular? I, I like I, I all I know is like what I see on TikTok honestly about skincare. That's all I know. TikTok. <laughs> so is it popular yet in the US to be using face oils at the same rate that like when you were backpacking and other countries to use face oils? So no, I don't think we're at the same level of saturation as other countries in Asia and the Middle East and Africa are when it comes to using natural plant oils. But I, there's definitely a growing trend. So obviously, when I launched, I went and did it like a competitor analysis. And I'm like, oh, there's a lot on the market. It's not like it's not there. There's no custom face oil on the market, but there are definitely oils on the market. So I think people here are starting. I think we're at the beginning of a trend for the use of face oils as we come out of the trend of 12 steps. <laughs> yeah, that trend needs to end because that's too much. Yeah. It's too much. It's too 12 much. steps, yeah, exactly. 16 steps, way too much. <laughs> yeah. It's, and yeah. I want to go it's into. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say, as people are about reading the labels, I think they're, you know, they're like, oh, why am I paying this much money for this small bottle that has like mostly water? And, you know, so that's where I think people are getting more popular with the oils. They're like, okay, we'll give you more of the extracts. And so I think that's where we're starting to see the change as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those small bottles, some of them can be 60, 100, 200 bucks. And I'm like, wait, it's just so small. <laughs> but yeah. And, and then I need 12 of them because I need the 12. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. But I love to go into like your journey from going bankrupt to 10 million in sales. Like, yeah. what do you feel like were like some of the key things you did that was allowed you to do that? I'd love to go into that process as well. Yeah. So it was interesting. So the, re the one of the ways I found out about essential oils and the wellness properties is there was this apothecary that was by where I lived. And that's kind of my first intro into it. And they made these amazing oil blends. And it was through that process that I was able to heal a lot of my wellness solutions. And I was like, these are amazing. This is exactly what the world needs, right? But they were going bankrupt. So they were going to go out of business. And I was like, oh my God. And at the time I was working as a consultant, I was like, okay, well, we have got to save this. Like this has to be out in the world. Like the world needs this. And so what went from there was like a series of different things. Obviously they were doing a lot of things in business that I wouldn't recommend, but we repackaged and then really we found the right buyers. And so through the journey, it was really a lot of, you know, it was, it was a lot of business strategy around like, who's your, who's, who's the right person? What's the price and what's the placement, right? It really comes down to those like four P's. 
right? So we adjusted all of it. It was like, adjust the packaging, adjust the price, and adjust where you're going to see it. And at the time, it was only in very, very high-end places. And my whole thing was, I was like, wow, we really need everybody to have this. Like Everybody needs these essential oil blends. They're incredible. And I don't want them to just be for the rich. I want them to be for everybody. <laughs> so you know, as we changed all of that to match, you know, it's not to say you can't make money doing just luxury, but once we changed the as long as those all have coherence, so the price, the way that it looks, and where you see it all has coherence, that's usually when you see a good strategy of growth. And so we pitched it to some of the bigger buyers like Costco, and we did some tests that were successful. And then pretty soon we were nationwide and then also international, which then just led to more awareness of the brand and growing. And so it was through that process that we were able to, you know, over several years, grow to 10 million. That's amazing. When you're like looking at a company like that, like how are you able to tell like this may like not be doing well right now, but like I know it could do well. Because like with certain companies, you might have like a feeling that maybe like this isn't the thing. Like how are you able to differentiate yourself for that? Like this is the thing versus this is like, I, I unfortunately can't help in this scenario. Right. Well, so obviously a given is it has to work. Whatever it is they're selling has to actually do what it says it's going to do, right? So you have to have a good quality product. And in this case, I took over as CEO. So the other thing you'd have to do is you have to have a leader that is going to be open to feedback and testing. And so that was one of the biggest things. And the founder of the apothecary was kind of like, I know nothing about business. Like you can go ahead and take the whole thing over. And actually ended up taking over the entire company and rebranding to Case High. So our formulas are those same formulas that we had before. But those are, you know, when you look at even like from a private equity VC investment, like when you're looking to invest in a company, how do you decide? It's the team who's going to lead that project. And then as long as the thing works, that's almost secondary. Yeah. And like for oils, like going back to oils, because <laughs> it's the topic. Oils. We can talk about oils all day long. <laughs> going back to oils. So you use a face oil, but you mentioned like your healing journey using different oils for that as well. Is there other oils yeah. that you recommend for healing besides the face oil? I'm curious what your process is there. Yeah. So we have, so we kind of put it to the seven main ailments that we found that most people have. And so and those are more like most, mostly for health. So sleep is the number one. Like if you don't sleep, nothing's going to work. And so our best selling formula is definitely our sleep formula. And then it was headaches, allergies, immunity, which we have breathe. And then it's like your, your ability to detox. So get rid of bloat, or it's actually really great for hangovers as well. So anytime you do anything that you maybe shouldn't overindulge in food or whatever. So we have, you know, detox. And then, you know, as I mentioned, I had brain fog, but I think a lot of people have a hard time with focus. And so we have one for focus as another main part of the wellness blends. And then let's see, what am I missing? Muscle ease. So for pain, pain and inflammation in the body. So we have something for that as well. And then probably number one tied with sleep is stress. So we have a de-stress blend as well to help with that. So um, I think I said all seven, but yeah, those, those were kind of, we took the top seven ailments that we saw in the population and created the formulas that were there. And do you wait until you're stressed to take the oil or is like the oil, like you take regularly and have it part yeah. of a routine? So, now, so I take it regularly just because like, as I mentioned, I, you know, mom of three full time <laughs> working on the things. So I take it regularly. I find it's really, it helps me drop into a deep meditate. So I meditate every morning and I feel like it really helps me with my meditation practice. And so I think it's a really great tool. If, you, if you're someone who lives somewhat of a stressful life, I think it's just a really good maintenance tool. And 
and it's not bad for you. Like you could never have too much of it. It's only good for you. I liken it to like walking in nature. So like, unfortunately, we no longer spend most of our time in nature, but by connecting to the essence of plants, we essentially give our body that same support. And so I, you know, I'm a huge believer of that and sleep. I am, I, I like really need good quality sleep to to function. And so I use that daily too. And, and it's not like I'm a bad sleeper. I've always, you know, like once I was able to get balance in my life, I slept well, but I'm like, no, I want to sleep really well. <laughs> so like, I really want that deep restorative sleep. So, you know, I use it every day for those things, but the other ones I really use more as needed. So now my kid cool. uses and focus like, every day. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good for school. If I had that, I'd probably be more focused when yeah. I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And um, well, even taking like different supplements, like for example, magnesium, ashwagandha, like different supplements like that. Or do you believe like you could get mainly all the things that you need from the oils? No, I'm a big believer of all the different modalities. I think that, okay. you know, we can 100%. I think, I think you just want to be really careful with the supplements, just like you want to be really careful with the oils. Like you want to make sure they're pure, they're potent. There's not a lot of processing or extra fillers added into it. I always like everything in liquid form because I think that's usually in its purest. So that goes for, you know, all ashwagandha and magnesium and all the things as well. But no, I think ideally we wouldn't have to supplement because we'd be perfectly healthy, but then we would have to live those perfectly healthy lives. And in absence of that, we shouldn't be afraid to support with the, as in, you know, with things that are as natural as possible. Yeah. And what, what supplements do you currently take? What do you recommend? Yeah. You know, so I don't actually currently use, I, I, because I like bathe in oils. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, don't, currently take any of them that I have in the past, taken ashwagandha when I was really stressed, uh, magnesium at night, you know, occasionally, you know, turmeric. And I also use a lot of turmeric in cooking, but I, you know, I can't say that I on a regular basis take any supplements, but that's not to say I wouldn't. <laughs> I just haven't felt the okay. need. Awesome. Do you put the oils on your face or what do you do with the oils? So the face oils, of course, for the face, but the roll-on oils, it, you know, I put them on pulse points. So generally the skin on your pulse points is the thinnest. So it's more likely that the oils will go right into your bloodstream. And so, but some of it depends. Like if it's muscle ease, it'll be wherever I'm having pain. I'll put it directly on that spot. For headaches, I always do it on my pulse points. But, and for focus, I'll do it on my pulse points as well. But anything else, it's always like behind the neck, behind the ears, wrists, and inhale. And again, like I said, you can't really overdo it. So I do try to be pretty liberal. And we use um, all of our essential oils are safely diluted with jojoba oil, which is closest to human sebum. So it's going to absorb the best and it feels really nice on the skin too. And do you actually bathe in oils or was that just a joke? <laughs> no, I don't actually. I mean, I don't like get into a bath of oils. That would be crazy expensive. I'd... <laughs> you would definitely see that on TikTok if I decided to do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I do use a lot. And um, essential oils do help your microbiome, your gut microbiome, as well as your skin microbiome. And so I do feel like, you know, I'm in an office with oils, you know, I've surrounded my life in a way that those are enough support for me, but it's not to take away from the supplement world. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just curious on your thoughts on supplements and like, what you thought of them. And yeah, and also, for anyone who's starting their healing journey, like, Going into oils, is there anything else you recommend in terms of like maybe a life audit, like other things you did in your healing journey that you found really helpful? Anything else you would recommend? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things was, you know, and some people call it meditation, but I was just sitting in silence. So I would just really start my day sitting in silence and really, again, taking 
a scan of like my body and my mind and, and where it was at sort of without judgment. And I think when you're starting your healing journey, you're going to, you're going to notice a lot of things and things are going to come up for you. And I think to just sit in it by yourself for a little bit is really great. And then I always recommend, you know, we can't do everything alone. I think there's, we're in this culture where we're so isolated that if you can find a way to connect and collaborate with others during your healing journey, it's, really, really important. So, you know, we've even created a group around our human design um, transformation to help people where it's live calls and connection. But I would say just find your tribe, right? Find the people who you think are going to help guide because it, it's no fun to do this sort of healing journey alone. And so if you can find people to help supplement the journey or go along with, with you, it's, it's really helpful. So I'd say sit in silence and then find your tribe. Definitely. Sometimes it's hard to sit in silence. But that's definitely something <laughs> I could work on. It is. I mean, even if you start with like a minute or two, right? And then and then it, it'll slowly extend. But it, it's 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 hard, but it's it's kind of like you should. You gotta sit with yourself, right? And sometimes it's just quickly, you know, it'll just be like, How am I doing today? Like and it's almost a conversation back and forth with yourself. Because we can't sit in silence, right? So at least we're talking to ourselves. <laughs> but I think it's a good way to start. Definitely. And I have a couple final questions for you. First one is, what's something you're learning right now? It could be any aspect of your life. So I am... It's really funny. I'm learning to cook more. <laughs> it's never actually something I did much of. So I just bought, a, you know, a bunch of books on uh, Amazon. And of course, I'm doing the fun part, which is reading because I love to read. Um, but hopefully I'll get to the actual execution cooking part soon. Is there anything in particular you want to cook? I'm, you know, I'm just trying to do, again, more of the whole plant-based diet for the kids. And so I think we all lean on quicker recipes. And so, you know, the idea is like, how can we get more nutrient-dense food? I've been working on it so much for the, you know, skin side and, you know, oil side. But I'm like, okay, we also really actually have to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> eat the fresh vegetables and fruits. I'm like, yeah. So there's not one particular dish. I think it's more of getting a cadence of doing it more and more often. That's more the goal. Like if I can be the one who makes dinner, you know, more than two or three times a week, that would be great. Yeah. And my final question for you is if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you want to tell her? Or if you want to tell her nothing at all, that's an option as well. <sighs> You know, this is so hard because in some ways your journey is what brings you to where you are. And so, you know, what I want to change, I don't know. I think I would just say enjoy the ride. Like don't stress. Really just enjoy it, all of it, the good, the bad, the shit show. Just enjoy it. Beautiful. I love it. And where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? You can find us at ksahai.com or on social at lovekesahai. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.